God, I thank you for bringing us here. I thank you for leading us here. We could be anywhere in the world right now, God. But through your sovereignty, you have led us all right here, right now. You have sustained us, God, and we're grateful for that. Father, I thank you so much for your church. I thank you for bringing together a people for your name's sake, Father, redeeming a people for your name's sake, God. I thank you, Father. That is a wonder to marvel at, Father, that you would raise the dead to life. I see people who are alive, God, and I'm grateful for that. This is your doing, God. So, Father, as we hear scripture, as we read scripture, and we just have a a narrow focus on you, God. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, God. We thank you so much for what you have done for us through Christ. And we come to you with boldness, knowing that you hear us by the authority of Jesus. Amen. You all may be seated. So over the past two weeks, I have had an epiphany. And it's not that I need to go to Tiffany's. Um, I love you guys. I love my church every single day for the last two weeks you guys have been on my mind i've tried to imagine faces and i've tried to imagine conversations for the last two weeks i love you guys and i feel like i don't always have the opportunity to proclaim that uh uh, publicly but i want to share that and i want to share that i am here to build with you guys through everything. And I literally mean that through everything I want to build with you. So if you feel alone, if you feel like you don't have anyone, I am, hey, I'm here. Right here to build with you, to, to build relationships with you, to go through the good, the bad, the ugly, to celebrate, to go through the ups and the downs. I'm here. Today, we are continuing our scripture series, and today, um, I have been tasked with um, sharing about scripture in public, the importance of sharing the word of God in public. So let us read, um, if you want to turn to page uh, 992 in your Bibles, it's 1 Timothy 13. 1 Timothy 4.13. And we will go through a good amount of scripture, uh, but just bear with me because that's the point of this. Um, throughout history, uh, 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 Jews and Christians of light, alike, they just read scripture with no expounding on scripture. Now, if it came naturally, I'm sure that they did, but just read 
whole chunks of scripture. Memorize whole chunks of scripture. Um, so as we study on that, I actually want to kind of integrate some sort of practice in that as well. Um, so we're not going to read a whole chapter, but we will read uh, a good amount of scripture. First Timothy 4.13. Paul writes to Timothy and he says this. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Paul encourages uh, a, a young pastor named Timothy to keep his congregation engaged through the practice of reading scripture, through the practice of exhortation or preaching, and through the practice of teaching. In our culture, we kind of get the, the latter two. We say, we, I understand public preaching. I understand teaching. We see the importance of that. Uh, today, I want to draw out the importance of just public reading. Just letting scripture stand alone and just read it. So why is public reading, why is the public reading of scripture important? Uh, uh, should followers of Jesus practice reading scripture in public? These are some of the questions you should be uh, uh, um, thinking about and some that I want to answer. And the, the practice of public reading uh, the public reading of scripture, it dates all the way back to Mount Sinai. This is one of the first mentions of scripture being read publicly. And to go further, it is the first mention of scripture in scripture being mentioned that it's being written. So, so the biblical authors acknowledging that what they're writing is scripture. All right. That what they're is scripture. There is a, an awareness that what I'm currently jotting down is the word of God and will be shared, a shared story um, in God's family. So let's turn to Exodus 17. Exodus 17, you can find this on page 59 in your Bible. Page 59 in your black Bible. If you don't have a black Bible, no, if you don't have a Bible, the black Bible is our gift to you. Exodus 17, starting at verse 14. So as you turn there, a little bit of background. So the children of Israel have been, uh, have been rescued uh, from slavery by God through the crossing of the Red Sea. Um, and now they get into a, a season of complaining and murmuring. Like, man, did you bring us out here to die of thirst? And in the midst of that, um, they come up with this. They, they come up against uh, Amalek. And now they're about to engage in a battle with Amalek. And, and this is where we are. The Lord says this to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So write this. What is this? 
write this story. Write these events as a memorial or as something to be remembered in a book. And do what with it? After you write it as something to be remembered, what do you do with it then? You recite it. You share it with Joshua. That I will utter blot out the memory of the Amalekites under, from under heaven. And like I said, the children of Israel have already been delivered. So I can only imagine, as we see in Scripture, that story also, you kind of just don't start the story. Hey, we ended up fighting Amalek. You go back, and how do we get here? How do we even get to this battle? And you get the story of the Red Sea. You get the story of slavery, right, as he writes the story. So as I mentioned, this is the first mention of the writing of Scripture in the Scriptures. The Lord says to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book. Moses is aware that this will be part of a book. This is a story that God wants to preserve for his people. So what's the purpose of the writing of the Bible? or of the writing of the scriptures. The purpose of the Bible, if you're taking notes, the purpose of the Bible being written was for God's people to actively remember these events. The initial purpose, to actively remember these events, to remember God rescuing his people out of slavery, to remember how God's people were vulnerable and almost destroyed, and how God then intervened and rescued his people. It's a theme that continues to be over and over and over again. What do we learn about the purpose? The purpose is to tell a story so that God's people remember how God acted to save his people, and to bring them to himself. Reading the Bible, reading the scriptures in community, it shapes our imagination. It shapes how we view the world, the way we think about the world. This is true no matter what community we find ourselves in. The communities that we engage in shape the way we view the world. So I think of a couple examples. Um, just like the mall, right? The mall. Going to the, there is certain things that are attached to just the idea of a mall that shapes how we view the world. Going to the mall, it makes us feel better about ourselves. We begin to look at other people, and we make judgments based off of what they're even looking at or what they're wearing. It, it, it shapes us, how, how we feel about ourselves, how we think about ourselves. In the same way, the Bible should shape how we look at other people, how we feel about ourselves, how we think about ourselves. It should shape us. Reading the Bible also it, it engages our imagination. This public reading of scripture 
should engage the imagination. To read scripture aloud, uh, especially in community, just read it with no explanation. Again, if it comes naturally, it comes naturally. But in some sense, if we just read scripture with no explanation just immediately after, it would leave some of us like a little bit confused. But that's okay. Let me, let me drop something. Reading the Bible is not for you to come up and answer all the questions in the world about the world. That's not the purpose of the Bible. It's not a book where you have a question and you say, hmm, I have a question. Let me go to the Bible and read it and it'll give it to me. It's not the purpose. I'm sure that as kids grow up, they hear stories and they hear ideas and they are confused. It doesn't mean that they don't continue to engage in those stories. It doesn't mean that those stories are not true. They're just at a place where the story is just not fully resonating where they are. And as they continue to hear the same story over and over in the same drumbeat, eventually they will be molded to that story. And they will say, oh, I get it now. I understand now. But it and it's okay. The purpose of the Bible it's not for us to go to the Bible to find all the answers in the world. And I know culture tells us something different. It's like, oh man, if the Bible doesn't answer all my questions, then I can't believe. It's just simply not the purpose. So success is not in how we interact with Scripture uh, uh, and the way that we read and come up with conclusions and answers. There is success in simply coming together as a family and reading scripture aloud. We just sit and participate in the public reading of scripture. Because scripture, God is so good that scripture, there, there's things, like let me use the mall example. So humans created the mall. We kind of quiet in here, so let me get some agreeance. Can I get an amen? Did humans create the mall? Amen. Amen. Okay. And this thing keeps just going down and down. <laughs> humans created the mall. Okay? And so humans, we, we actively affected an environment. We created something. And in turn, what happens next? Now that environment, it, infect, it affects us longer control uh, 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 how the how we don't longer control the mall the mall controls us it control how we feel about ourselves it, 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 be, it, be, it starts to impose itself upon us the same thing with scripture Moses jotted down these words right Paul and, 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 and Peter and, and they all they all jotted down words but in some sense those words, the words of scripture, moves upon us. They write, they create, but those same scriptures, they move upon us. It affects us. And so that's what we want to just allow happen, to happen in this public reading of scripture. Just allow the scriptures to affect you. Just bring a natural response out of you. 
Another purpose of Scripture that we see in Exodus 24, um, if you want to turn there, it's on page 65. Exodus 24, chapter 3, I mean, verse 3 through 7. The purpose of the Bible is to read aloud to God's people to help them to form their own unique identity. For God's people to form their own unique identity. Exodus 24, verse 3. Moses came and told to the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules or all the just decrees. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men to the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in a ba- and put it in basins. And half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And we will be obedient. The people gather, they assemble at the bottom of the mountain, the mountain, Mount Sinai. After being rescued from slavery in Egypt, they assemble. God gives them the commandments and Moses, well, God gives Moses the commandments and Moses brings it down to the people. And what do the people do? The Bible says the people respond and they say all that the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. When the people first hear the words of God from the lips of Moses, they do two things. When they hear the word read, they do two things. They agree and they respond, which is proper. It's context. And our biggest fight, I studied this these last two weeks, our biggest fight is to believe truth instead of lies. As we read scripture and we read our story over and over, and as we see, as we see the nature of God, I find myself starting to just believe again, especially in places of doubt. It is the word washing over me. I find myself just like, yeah, that is true. What was I thinking? That's true. Whatever I was thinking is not true. That is true. So the purpose is just for us to remember, remember the character of God. I believe that this is the very foundation of our struggle with sin. Do we believe what is true or what is a lie? What happened with Adam and Eve? It's a battle between believing 
what is true. Did God really say? What is true versus what is a lie? It's failure to trust that God is who he said, who he says that he is, and that he would do what he says that he would do. God desires for his people to respond to his word, just as we see here in Exodus 24, to respond. There, there is a difference, uh, and it's, it's a very small difference, uh, but I think that it's worth noting. There is a difference between responding and application. And I think that in our time, we're so big on application. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Just tell me so I can do. But the Bible kind of wants us just to respond. And now application can be a response. And that's why I say it's kind of, but it's not the only response. And that's what I want to point out, that application is not the only response as we read the scriptures. A response is these words or this image it's doing something to me. It is affecting me. Application is I am doing something. Or what do I now do? The Bible at some point does call for us to respond with action. However, this is not the only way we should respond or even seek to respond. Different parts of the Bible want us to respond in different ways. You don't read Lamentations. You'd be like, oh, man, how do I respond? Sackcloth and ashes. Let me go to my, lo- <laughs> my local Whole Foods or whatever. <laughs> you don't read Lamentations just, oh, what's the application? So I hope that's just an image of how, no, we, we respond in different ways. And, and biblical literature is written, written in a way for us to respond in different ways. Responding to scripture is more broad when we seek for application is more specific. A a, a good way of looking at response is what is naturally happening because of my interaction with scripture. When I read scripture, what's naturally happening? Other examples of responses, um, if we want to think about this idea of responses, we can respond with thanksgiving. Just say, I don't need you to do anything physically. I just need you to be thankful. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Don't do anything. Just give thanks to the Lord. Acknowledge his goodness. We can respond with an awestruck wonder. Just be at awe at God. Just gaze upon his beauty, gaze upon his glory, and be at awe. That's it. Read scripture, just be at awe. I don't need you to physically do anything. Just look at me. Just gaze upon me. Let me press upon your imagination. 
We can read the Bible, and it's sometimes proper to respond with a sense of fear. Of really, like, fear, fear. Not, don't turn fear into, like, oh, you mean fear like all oh, reverence. No, I mean fear. <laughs> I mean tremble at the feet of God. Fear. That's what I mean, fear, not, not the reverence. Now, the flip side, there is a reverential fear that the Bible also calls us to respond to. With gratitude, with generosity, right? We can read scripture and it, and it, and it, and it pushes us towards generosity. I, I think about when I read Acts, uh, I think it's the church at Macedonia and how they interact with the other churches. That's a scripture that's like, man, I'd be like, oh man, I should be more generous. It, I, I just, what naturally happens is I just read it and, 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 I, and, I, and I say, man, I want to fall in line with this story. I want to fall in line with how God's people historically responds when other Christians are in need. Response in repentance is a legitimate response when we hear the words of our God. In faith, And so they, they say, everything you said, we will do. And in the context, that was appropriate. They agreed with God's word, and they responded. And so we remember the, the story, or they remember the story, and we remember our story by continuing to, continuing to tell the story, inviting other people into our story or this story and calling others to respond to the story. Continuing to retell the story over and over keeps our memory fresh. Because as you know, we forget over and over again. I preached a sermon maybe three months ago that I still have to remind myself and it is that I am at peace with God. I am at peace with God. That is my status. My standing is peace. No longer enemy. I have to constantly remind myself because forget. So we gather here every week and hopefully the same story is told from unique perspectives and different vantage points but it's the same story. Story about Jesus and God's great work and how he has reached out to humanity to draw us to himself to make all things new. In the midst of chaos, that God could have just been done. But no, we see his love by how he reaches out to those who oppose him. And so, you see Moses reading scripture to the children of Israel, and then um, Joshua later do the same thing, and something weird happens. For an extended period of time, this practice stops. Until we get to 2 Kings, 
with King Josiah. And Josiah had a priest, and he tells the priest, uh, if you want to turn your Bible to uh, 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 page 332, it's 2 Kings uh, chapter 22, verse 8. He sends the high priest to go, like, get some affairs together and, you know, uh, 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 arrange it with some builders. And the, the, the high priest at that time, he stumbles upon the scripture. Page 329. We're going to start at verse 8. And Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan, the secretary, came to the king and reported to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house, and have delivered it unto the hands of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. After he heard the word, what did he do? What was a proper response? It was to tear his clothes. And this was a sign of mourning, of of grieving, of repentance. I mean, just multiple things um, that this was a sign of. Uh, So for generations past, and the majority of God people, they neglected scriptures. And they forgot their story. And they forgot who they were. They failed to remember. And what Josiah did was beautiful. In the midst of failing to remember, he heard the words of God and he responded. And then King Josiah, he called the people to remember who they were and acknowledge that they have lost their way. Most of all the Israelites forgot their history and their God, and they practiced pagan worship. Reading scripture for the believer, it, it's like a wake-up call. It wakes us up. We look to the Spirit of God to just bring us back to life. Bring us back to life. Through just the reading of the Word. We, we read the Word to see God more clearly. It's not, what do I think about God? Who is God to me? No. It's God. What do you say about yourself? And what you say about yourself, I will agree with and I will respond to by faith. I am encouraged by the fact that God, in the midst of the children of Israel, neglected his scripture for generations. That God 
he never abandoned those who he, who he called to himself. I don't see God abandoning. I see God being patient and faithful and steadfast and, and steady with them. I don't see him abandoning them. Their status never changed with God. They were still the children of Israel. They were still God's chosen people. The reality of who they were never changed. And God was faithful in the midst of their faithlessness. And God is faithful to us in the midst of our faithlessness and our foolishness. Last Old Testament scripture, and then we're going to end out with a New Testament scripture. Um, Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 9. You can find this on page 404, chapter 9, starting at verse 16, page 404, Nehemiah. One thing I thought was interesting, I know we, because we're about to read a good chunk of this, uh, so we read like verses here and there, especially like when, you, when it comes to preaching, we read verses here and there, sometimes like little passage or something like that. When we talk about scripture, we very seldom like actually like open it and read it. We kind of just like throw out quotes, right? How odd is it if I was like, hey, we start throwing out Toy Story quotes, right? Toy Story is and we start, you got a friend in me, you got a friend in me, right? How odd is it if I say, hey, how about we just like sing the whole song, not just that one verse? And you're like, oh, no, I don't want to sing the whole song, not the, just the verse. Hey, how, how about if, if we share quotes from the movie and I say, hey, do you want to just like watch the movie? <laughs> no, we don't, we don't got to watch the movie. We just enjoy sharing quotes out of the movie. Reading scripture keeps us from being like that. We see the silliness in that with those type of uh, 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 just figurative type of, ima- like us imagining that, but like that's kind of what we do. Like why is it awkward for, for Christians to get together and just like read whole portions of scripture? Like, hey, we're just going to sit down for an hour and we're going to just read Mark. So you imagine telling your friends, hey, what did you guys do in your MC? Man, we just... <laughs> Read the whole book of Mark. Oh, really? I bet that that's going to be the response. Oh, really? You read like the whole book? For us, for some reason, it sounds like a lot or something, right? But we'll quote Mark all day. Let's read Mark. No, you're just overzealous. (laughs) Nehemiah, we're going to read verse 16 through 22. Listen closely to these words because I'm, I'm summing up everything that we just, we just read over. But they, their fathers, acted presumptuously, presumptuously and stiffed their necks and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffed their necks and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, 
slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. Even when they had made for themselves a golden calf, even when they had made for themselves a golden calf, and said, this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt and had committed great blasphemy. You and your great mercy did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way by which they should go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. Forty years. And they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out. And their feet did not swell. Rest. Do we see the nature of God? I don't feel like I got to say too much more. Do we see, just look at his nature. What is he like? Believe that. Do we just bow down at his feet? Who is like unto our God? Bow down at his feet. We can trust him. We can trust him with our life. We can trust him with everything. And so, my brothers and sisters, let's not forget our story. Let's not forget our unified story. I know some of us, I'm not trying to take anything from you, we have our own, like, conversion stories. Keep it. I don't, right? My only story is I was blind and now I see. I can't tell you what happened. I can't tell you when it happened. What I do know is that I I once was blind. Now I see. I thought about my, 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 my youngest daughter, Kylie. When does she see? It's kind of hard to answer when you think about a baby and how the eyes work. When does she see? Couldn't tell you. She can tell you. I just know that there is a process. Process. And, and I believe that God through the Spirit is working in each and every one of us. And there's a process. So our story. Let's summarize this up in Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. For whatever reason, I didn't put down what page it was on. I was on a roll for a minute. Ephesians 2 is on page 976. And it says this, it says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following after the course of this world, following after the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the children of disobedience, among whom we all once walked. 
among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even while we were dead in our trust, passes, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming age he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace and the kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. This is not of your doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of your works, not a result of works, so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were dead in our sin. I work at, I work at an emergency room for those who don't know. I work in an ER. That sounds weird. I'm about to say, I see dead people. <laughs> Help me, Lord. I see dead people. Like, literally, I see dead people. And yes, I know that that's not the end. But sometimes in that moment, it seems like something just so final at the same time. I know it's not the end. But seeing a dead person is something just final. Everything stops. Nothing for you continues like right here, right? And we were dead. We couldn't do anything for ourselves. We couldn't like bring ourselves up. We couldn't bring ourselves to faith. We were dead. And we weren't just dead. We were dead in a ugly place. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Not just dead. You were dead in trespasses and sins. And while you were dead in trespasses, and sins, what do we do? We carried out the course of this world. We were walking in step with the adversary, step by step. We walked with him in sync. That's the point that Paul is trying to bring out. We were walking with him in sync with him, carrying out the desires of our flesh. But God, we are so used to this story. and I, I, Only the Holy Spirit can bring it out for us right now in this moment. But why is there a but? In my mind, there is no but. You were dead and your trespasses and sin, you be dead. I don't know if you have real interactions with human beings, but human beings are something else. Something, I am something else. I am a wreck. I'm a wreck. That's just the truth of my life. Tayshawn is a wreck. I'm a wreck. And I engage in other people and I hurt other people. I do things that I ought not do. We do things that we ought not do. 
But our story is there is a but God. There is a but God. Where the story should have ended. For some reason, it continues. But God, who's rich in mercy, with, with, with which the great love which he had loved us with, he made us alive in Christ. This is our story. It's a beautiful story. It's not a beautiful story. It is the only story. This might offend some of the Christians who's kind of like on the balance. The Christian narrative is the only true narrative. God, amen. It is the only true narrative. It is the only true way to look at the world. It is the only real way that accounts for how we got where we are, where we've been, where we're going. And this is our story. How God brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. How he raised the dead to life. It's our story. This is the only story we proclaim. This is the only narrative that we live by. Hold fast to the remembrance of Christ. Remember how he lived. Remember his life. What life did this man live? Remember how he loved. He loved you 10,000 years before you ever knew what love was. Let's say it again. He loved you 10,000 years before you ever knew what love was. His love runs deep and it never runs dry. Remember his sacrifice, how he bought us with his divine blood and brought us to a glorious family. And death doesn't have the final say. Remember his resurrection. Remember how he defeated death. And remember, I'm ending with this. Remember how Jesus is alive. Alive. With flesh. Not a spirit. Jesus is alive. And he is well alive. Even more so alive than you and I. Jesus is alive. Press that in. He's alive. He's not dead. I'm going to say it again. He's alive. Can I get an amen? Our God has risen. He is alive. We don't got to wait for Easter. He is alive. Our God has risen. This is our story. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a living, risen Christ. And now it's time for us to respond. What say ye? I don't know how to answer that for you. I, I can't answer that for you, but what is natural? What, what's a natural response for you? It may be different for everybody. What's natural? It may be natural for you to wrestle with it a little bit more, and that's fine. It, 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 it may be, which is my desire, that your affections are so stirred towards God and just knowing him that you're like, man, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to just devour the scriptures. That may be natural. It may be natural for you to say, you know what? I can't like just go read all the scriptures because I never really did that. But hey, I'm just going to take it little by little, a step at a time. I'm just going to start off just reading, you know, a daily verse. What is natural? It may be natural 
for you to say, you know what? For Christ I live and for Christ I die. Today is the day I, I give my allegiance to Jesus. That may be natural. So now is the time where we, we come to the table. The table's right there. We come to the table. And the Bible says this. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. This action, this, this communal act, we do this in remembrance of Jesus. Remembering what he did. Remembering what he is currently doing and that he's coming back for us. He wants us to do this until he returns. So let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. It is, it is a light unto our feet, God. I thank you for your word, God. I thank you for your word. You have given us a treasure, God. You have given us a treasure, and I'm grateful for it. And so what's natural in this moment for me is just be thankful for what you have done by providing this word for us, God, for us to love and to cherish and to know you. We appreciate you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.